Thanks for listening to the Dr. Drew Podcast on Podcast One. Well, you've heard me talk about Fume before. I gave some of their products to Dawson. That's right. They have hand-to-mouth replacement, plant-packed cores, no smoke, no vape, no nicotine, no harmful chemicals, a uh, design you can feel proud of, flavors that taste great, and let's, I've said it, and they're nothing more important than smoking cessation if you are a smoker. Anything else you are doing is what we say, rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. That's right. It's a good way, not a fun way, really, not an awkward way to give the gift of quitting smoking. Think of like, um, you know, it's other things that, look, you're just telling the person you care about them. And fume is a more enjoyable, benefit-packed way to quit. Comes with the new olive wood fume, unique in wood grain and a symbol of growth. Four unique flavors, snickerdoodle, candy cane, eggnog cookie, spiced orange, limited supply, and each box is numbered. That's right. You can use Fume with my code Drew. It's F-U-M. Breathe Fume is the website I want you to go to. B-R-E-A-T-H-E-F-U-M. BreatheFume.com slash Drew to get your holiday box today and start giving the gift of quitting smoking, the gift of health, the gift of life. That is BreatheFume.com slash Drew, and you can save 10%. That's right. It is one more time. B-R-E-A-T-H-E-F-U-M dot com slash Drew. Do you think bananas are healthy? Think again. I'm Dr. Stephen Gundry, best-selling author of the Plant Paradox series, and on the Dr. Gundry podcast, you're going to learn the foods to eat and the ones to avoid, to lose weight, boost your energy, and feel your most vibrant, active self this year. You'll also learn simple tips from the world's top experts on health and nutrition. Plus, you'll discover the truth about calories, how running could actually be hurting your health, and why fat won't make you fat. Subscribe now to the Dr. Gundry Podcast on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Because I'm Dr. Gundry, and I'm always looking out for you. everyone welcome to dr podcast we appreciate you being here appreciate you supporting the people that support us and keeping the winds in the sail of the corolla pirate ship uh do check out everything over at drdrew.com and drdrew.tv we appreciate that today i want to get right to my guest it is none other than perez hilton uh amongst other things he has a podcast the perez hilton podcast with chris booker available on apple podcast spotify youtube podcast one you can of course find perez's YouTube channel, Press Hilton, Twitter and Instagram at the Press Hilton, and website PressHilton.com. And of course, Perez, your gummies, my true ten, my true ten dot com for those gummy CBD gummy there they are. Welcome. Good to see you, my friend. Before we start, I you know, I am such a family guy. I live with my mother. My kids are everything. And, you know, I'm busy, you're busy. Things come into our feed and our lives, but I've never Notice that you've been doing things with your daughter, yeah, yeah which I think yeah. is awesome. Yeah, what, we, what, what are you doing with your daughter? We, we Some wrote, book or yeah, project? We wrote a book. They they came to me just pre COVID and they wanted to do a book about consent because they, for young adults and and teens, they realized they were all super confused in the sort of Me Too era on how do you get consent? What do you do? To have, what's right? What give me some guidelines? And I said, you know. 
I, great. I love the idea, but you need a young person in this conversation. You know, the, the dude, old gray hair, white dude, you know, talking about consent to 19 year olds, not going to work. I mean, it, it's, I've got things to tell them, but it's just not going to work unless I have a conduit. And I said, you know, my daughter's a Columbia trained writer. We should just get her involved. She's very woke and she's you know, just an ultra feminist and has all these ideas that are, I, I have great um, respect for, but they're very different than mine. And we got together and we wrote this book. We wrote it very Has it come out yet? It's out. Yeah, it's called it doesn't, okay. it doesn't Have to Be Awkward. And awesome. it's been out a few weeks and it's doing very well. And awesome. it's, if you have kids, teenage kids, young adult kids, just throw it on your table. It'll help. Trust me. We just we try so, to think of everything. So you described your daughter as ultra woke. Ultra woke. That would terrify me. <laughs> have a daughter who's ultra woke? Well, first of all, whatever your kids are, they're going to be not you. You know what I mean? They're going to yeah, be the anti-Perez. Yeah. Whatever it is, pr- prepare yourself. Uh, and 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 I what, to, what I really uh, – one of the great joys in that project, in, in addition to spending more time with her and hanging out and stuff, um, was that I got to understand her point of view more clearly. I ended up admiring it. Right, and not agreeing with it, you can admire somebody's point of view. This is, I, th- I thought this is a lesson of how our country should look at things. You can appreciate. I mean, your father and daughter, so that's a little different. It is a little different, but but we could even conflict more about it for that reason, right? Instead of conflicting, I thought, oh, I get what she's saying. I really get her point of view. I don't really agree with it, but I, I admire the the. The thoroughness I, of her thinking in it, you know. I definitely wish that all of us, not even in America, where I feel like it's the worst, but all over the world, people could learn to disagree better because I I, I don't even want to mention it. Like I get like just a repulsion all over my body when I talk about cancel culture. But the thing about cancel culture that I've observed is that for some people, they've turned it into sport. It's just another form of entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, Nick Cannon got, quote, canceled last year, but things turned around for him and he got his job back at MTV. And he said this term that really resonated with me. Uh. He said council culture, uh. not cancel culture. Mm-hmm. But people, you know, they don't they don't they don't want to give others grace. But nobody's perfect. Nobody is perfect. Well, those that sit on high and judge the rest get this sense of feeling that they are or something. I, I don't know what it's, – it's a weird – see, I think we've become sort of histrionic, that we've gone from narcissism to histrionic. and the, the pro- On both sides. Oh, yeah. Oh, the extremes on both sides. 100%. Yeah. 100%. And most of us are kind of in the middle compared to what's going on on both extremes, right? And, and we're not being well represented and the people on the extremes are are yielding their aggression dangerously. And the reason I bring on the histrionic phenomenon is that people with histrionic features become delusional. They believe their point of view is just begs no alternative and, they, and they're just rigid with it. And delusionality is not a healthy thing. It's, it's the opposite of dealing with reality on reality's term. I learned a new term that the young kids are using, the lingo. Yeah. I, I, I literally only learned this yesterday and you just basically talked about it. Young kids, like teenagers or 20-somethings, are using this term called main character syndrome. Ooh, tell me about that. 
it basically, you know, you think you're the center of the universe and you're, it's just another way of saying douchebag, you know? <laughs> no, but it's more powerful than that. It, it is more powerful. It, yeah. I, I think main about like a computer syndrome. game, like a computer game where you're the main character because nothing else really exists except you, the main character. Yeah. Ugh, I saw that. That because this video went viral on Twitter of this guy, this gay guy who's like a muscle jock at a club, and he was having a friend film him while he ate pizza at a club. <laughs> right? Yes. He's like having a friend film him while he eats pizza at a club, and then this other guy just walks by him. <laughs> so the gay, the muscle jock eating pizza gave the other guy like the stank face, like. <laughs> Like, excuse me. And then he had, this is why he has main character syndrome, because he thought he was being funny. And that muscle jock uploaded that on Twitter and it went viral and he got roasted. Oh, Jesus. I, I don't like that. I don't like that he has to suffer for it, but I also don't like the main character syndrome. Well, nobody better than you to help me understand something. How do we get here? You've been engaged in, in this the, the digital world we all along. here because... The internet and social media, and I know this firsthand, it rewards the extreme. It rewards, and not even the internet or social media, even before that, you know, newspapers, the, the, the nightly news, TV and the ratings. It rewards the extreme, the shocking, the taboo, the, the sexual. And, um, you know, I was, I was chatting with, a, with, with somebody in the political world recently um, and talking about trolling in that space, because I would like to think and hope that somebody like a Candace Owens is just trolling a lot of the time and saying what she thinks people expect her to say. And she doesn't believe half the shit she says, but she says it because at the end of the day, you know, it's all about money. Um, however, <laughs> not everybody's as lucky as, Candace Owens or you or I who can get paid to yeah. do this. Yeah. And then, so, but, but the people that are doing it for free, it's like an addiction as well. Like yeah. I've, and I, I, I experienced that also because when you're putting up a, a witty tweet or when you put up something on Instagram or whatever, we, we know this, we talk about this. It, it, it is like a drug and you release all these chemicals in your brain, the endorphins, and you want that high. And, you know, this is why to, to, to toot my own horn for a second, please do. I am always honest, not just about celebrities, but also about myself. And I've matured, I've evolved, I'm a more empathetic person. But if I weren't me, I don't know if I would give myself empathy or grace. I take full accountability for the, the ways that I used to behave and everybody's opinion of me is valid. But even though I say now, you know, I, I felt like I was a full-blown addict back in the day and attention was my addiction. Uh. But when I was being awful, I could not and cannot and will not claim ignorance because I knew in the moment what I was doing was wrong, and I did it anyways. Well, let's break that down a little bit because that's the way addiction works, right? Addicts have an awareness that their life is falling apart, that they're doing it, and then they go forward. And, and once they take the drug, everything's okay again. 
So, so you, so I'm imagining you got sort of a, a, a relief with each post, right? That, that, or east, east, each time you got the attention from the post, that yeah. was the drug. Well, it was, it was, it was a mind fuck because I knew what I was doing was wrong. Well, you can say wrong. I, I'm betting it, you talked to yourself. I didn't, I bet you didn't use the word wrong back when you were doing it. No, right? not then. Yeah. So what did you know? What did you actually know? You didn't know it was wrong. You, you, you diluted yourself into something. I, I absolutely yeah. diluted myself. I yeah. had several talking points that I would say, like, "Well, I'm just saying what a lot of people are thinking." Yeah. But now I true. realize, which is true. But I realize, you know, I don't want to be Donald Trump in my 70s. You know, yeah. you shouldn't say everything that you're thinking. <laughs> right. And if you are, then there are ways to express that that aren't mean, vicious, cruel, nasty, or hurtful, you know, and that's actually another interesting thing. Your daughter might disagree with me on this. Young people think, and I could be wrong, but I think that most young people are of the school of mind that any opinion that is critical is bullying. Yeah. And that's not, or dangerous. And that's not true. You can dislike some Thing that somebody does and yeah. you can express that but you can express it in a way that's not bullying correct correct and it we just call that discourse <laughs> we, at least yeah. we used to call it that but but I, you know when i think about what you're saying about the posting being wrong it was wrong in the sense that it was eroding it was it was hurtful right and you don't want to hurt other people but you weren't really that aware of it but it was still eroding your soul yeah. And that's the really interesting part is that you pay a price for that. Yeah. And, and I feel like that's kind of and where we are people, these days. And people don't realize how long you could pay the price for that. Like I still am paying the price for things that I said and did well over a decade ago. And I probably will until I after I die even because the internet is forever. Everybody's got their receipts. Oh, I'm going to whip out this receipt and show everybody what he said back then. I remember, but I'm also at a place now where while I carry a ton of regret and shame, I'm sort of done apologizing or maybe not. I'm done. I'm not a done, done apologizing. Like I'm not going to be Kevin Hart who got asked to host the Oscars and refused to apologize after gay people were really upset with his homophobic jokes of the past, but I'm going to not focus just on the regret or hurt. I'm a fucking icon and I did amazing shit before the word influencer even existed before it was an industry before others did it. I did it first. Right. And, and and you did it though with a, a price, and it, yes. ad- addiction is really the perfect model for this. It's so interesting to me. I, didn't, I never thought about it this way, but I really it, thought about it like that yeah. because, like, you know, if you talk about addiction, you know, and people might think I'm asking for sympathy. I'm not. I'm just. I just talk about it in that terms because people can understand that, right? Like, and also people are more willing to forgive drug addicts versus what I was doing, because let's say a drug addict steals money from a coworker or a roommate or their family to go buy drugs. And eventually they get clean and they're not committing crimes anymore or robbing people or whatever it might be. Um, Okay. That was who they were then. 
but people are not willing to let me evolve. They're not willing to see me for who I am today. They want to keep me in this prison cell, this box that is the past, but I don't live there anymore. That's interesting to me because I see you as – I want to make a bunch of comments about what you just said. One is I'm surprised that you're having to deal with that because I see you as an example of how to evolve, an example of how to rise above, how to change your behavior to accept the, you know, the things you've done. And addiction, again, is the perfect example and you brought up the fact that people with addiction do terrible things. And guess what? They have to live with the guilt and shame of that the rest of their life too. And they and they give apologies, right, as part of their recovery. But apologies are very slim in recovery from addiction. It's really not a big part. People mistake what they're actually doing. Um, they're making amends. And amends are different than apologies. And you'll probably appreciate this because I bet you're already doing it, which is amends is about cleaning up what you've done, cleaning up your side of the street paying the price, whatever it might need to be for what you did because you did it and you have to clear the clear the landscape. You have to clear the soul by taking making the amends. And sometimes it's just living a certain kind of life that you just live a certain way. Know, Go ahead. You know what's so disappointing to me? I, 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 I absolutely agree with you. Amends is not enough for a lot of people. Yeah, but you can't control that. You have to let that yeah. go. You have to but let what's, that go. What's sad and disappointing to me, and I'm, it's not hurtful because I've been around 17 years, a long time like yourself, and I would hope you have thick skin as well. Like the opinions of strangers don't weigh me down. Yeah. Um, people want to see me suffer. Like they literally want bad things to happen to me because of the bad that I did in the past. But but in a way, they're just being you as you were back then. They're, Absolutely. And they don't get that. Yeah. They don't get that. Yeah. And, and I see that as a lot of the bad behavior on the internet, which is maybe you ought to – like write about it or something because because you were that you were the you were the first one to do it maybe you could help people understand how much it affects them they know? won't even read it they won't you know it's like I'm kryptonite for people <laughs> so weird I didn't know you were still dealing with that I it's so funny yeah. to me I'm I'm actually inspired by all the change you've been through and stuff I I, I it's shocking to me that people don't understand how powerful well, you know and is. understandably because now. I'm vintage, you're vintage, and everything old is new again. And, you know, we're talking about the early years of my career with newfound insight yeah. and just a new, a new pair of glasses. Of yeah, new pair of glasses. Exactly. Yeah. You know, like we're talking about Britney Spears a lot, even talking about, you know, recently uh, Jessica Simpson's been in the conversation. Lindsay Lohan's been in the conversation because she got a Netflix um uh, movie that she's filming and she's working again. And Paris Hilton's been in the conversation, getting married and being an advocate for victims of abuse and all of that. And they've all had massive changes. Yes. Every one of them. Right? Yes. And, and are people giving them that credit? Yes. Okay, Thankfully. good. Well, I want to talk about each of them very quickly because uh, they they all fascinate me because I I, I used to write about them when they were problematic, <laughs> and now I look at them and I'm like, I'm inspired. Good for them. I, I I want people to grow and change and not be what they were. I don't want to keep people in a box. It's so weird to me that people want to do that. That says horrible things about the people that are doing that, frankly. It really does, and hopefully they can change too. Um, another thing I wanted to bring up 
is I didn't know you were Cuban. That's really yeah. interesting to me because uh, I've really got a lot of Cuban friends and most of them go way right in terms of their politics. <laughs> I'm sure you you see lots of that. And Most and, of my family. Yeah, and they get very angry if you visit Cuba or you know, or buy a Cuban cigar or something, which I also find like I'm, I'm not sure we've we got to move on and like kind of <laughs> get things going here. What What is your perspective as a Cuban-American? What, what is, how do you incorporate all that? I've never heard you speak about that. I mean – it's in my DNA. Everything that is Perez is because of that. You know, I say this all the time. Were it not for my parents, both of them being Cuban immigrants and that immigrant mentality, uh, that that brainwashing of me from as early as I could remember to instill the hyper importance of hard work. You uh, have to work hard. Yeah, that's, the, immig- that's hard. the immigrant thing. I'm, I'm from an immigrant family too, yeah. Yeah. You have to get good grades. Yeah. I expect only A's from you. All of that, you know, it really helped me because at the end of the day, you know, over the last 17 years, so many things change always. You know, we talked about all these celebrities that change and the, the world that I live in changes, you know, social media changes, the internet apps, all of that. But a lot of things stay the same. And that, and one of that is that, you know, you can get viral quickly. You can achieve success in a short amount of time if you get lucky. But the thing that remains the same also is you will not be able to sustain success without an incredible work ethic. And, and, and actually, for and where that thing's been under attack for the last five or ten years, with the people like, oh, it's just luck, it's just luck, or it's white privilege, or it's you know Cuban privilege, whatever. It, it you know what I mean? It's because you were the born into the family, you're born into it. it. The the work part. I saw a quote from I tweeted it. Maybe you could find it for me. I think it was Nietzsche about about wh- what it does to people if you reverse the importance of hard work. Gary, you'll find it in a second, but keep, go on, Gary. Go on, uh, Perez. Sorry. Going back to it, like, I really am an addict and I have been my whole life. And I just thank God that drugs and alcohol were never my addiction. Mm. You know, it's been food. I've, and I still am like, I'm like, I've never been to therapy for it, but like, I'm in recovery now. Like, I think I have a good grasp on what it means to be healthy. What I have to do. I have, you know, yeah. Basic shit. Yes. Eat healthy <laughs> and exercise. Basic shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But also, like, I I am addicted to work. Yeah, like, yeah, me too. In an yeah. unhealthy way. Yeah, yeah, yes. But well, you know, you're aware of it when you have kids. That's when you really notice. Yeah, it. yeah. Gary, what's the quote? The surest way to corrupt a youth is to instruct him to hold in higher esteem those who think alike than those who think differently. No, mm-hmm. that's the Nietzsche quote. But there is a different one. I something about. It, make you know humble uh impairing people by teaching them that hard work is doesn't matter or something it was something of that order it was around the same it's time all i did about hard work i did the nietzsche quote this podcast is sponsored by better help online therapy and we talk a lot about better help on this show and this month uh, we're talking about stigmas around mental health something i care a great deal about and talk a lot about and uh, perhaps people think that uh, therapies for people that are really are crazy or have real serious mental health problems, but it doesn't mean something necessarily wrong with you. It means you have something to work on, much the way you would see a physical therapist for a joint or exercise to train your muscles. We 
We have a brain, and the brain can use treatments that help us. That's right, and they shouldn't be stigmatized. I think, though, some of the reasons people feel uncomfortable is they're afraid of who they're going to wait, run into in the waiting room, and they don't like that sitting around. Sometimes they don't even like seeing the therapist. Well, with BetterHelp Online, customized online therapy, they offer video, phone, even live chat sessions, live chats with your therapist. You don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to, and certainly there's none of that discomfort of a waiting room. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp Online Therapy. And for Dr. Drew Podcast listeners, you get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash Drew. That is better, B-E-T-T-E-R, betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Drew. Well, maybe your thoughts are kind of running in circles or you can't sleep. Stresses of this last year, God knows everyone is feeling that. Well, listen, Headspace is your convenient dose of meditation and mindfulness and sleep exercises to relieve stress, anxiety, Help you get a good night's sleep all in one app. Makes it easy to catch your breath and make time for your mental health. Give it a try. Guided meditations. Pick one. Play one. Uh, listen, it, people understand that there is benefit from mindfulness and meditation. And now here you can get it in one app. And I love the mini meditations. They're only a you know, minute. You, it's amazing what you can get done in a very short period of time. Quick breathers, relief stress, bring you a moment of peace in the daily chaos. Find some Headspace at headspace.com slash Drew and get one month free from their entire meditation library. This is the best Headspace offer available, so go to headspace.com slash Drew today. One more time, that is headspace.com slash Drew. They make it easy to learn and maintain meditation practices that will improve your mood and help you feel happier. It is evidence-based. Whatever your situation, Headspace can help you feel better. That is headspace.com slash Drew. But but the, they've actually gone out and studied the uh, immigrants and the and the, the children that succeed, and they have found it, this was a couple that were Yale law professors. He was Jewish immigrant descent. She was Chinese immigrant descent. And in the classroom, they recognized features that were familiar to their own life, and it was all Mormons, Nigerians, Jews, and Chinese. That's what the group they ended up seeing in their classroom mostly. So they went and studied, and what was it about these groups? What were they telling their kids? One was you have a special purpose, and you have a mission on behalf of everyone else. You have opportunities. We didn't. You have to fulfill on behalf of everyone. Delay gratification, delay, 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 and the importance of education. That's it. And then that's all that's all hard work. All of it's hard work messaging underneath all that, right? <laughs> I mean, you went to yeah. you went to NYU. But I, you know, like in addition to that, the, the hard work, like my mother lives with me, mm-hmm. which is not all that uncommon in Latino communities. My grandparents also lived with me as well. Nice. And nice. I brainwash my children. I train them. I tell them when you're all older, <laughs> leave a room for me in your house or have a guest house for me like I had for grandma. Grandma has the guest house. Good. Because I want three guest houses. Like I want to hop from house to house and be with all my kids and the grandchildren and just I, you know, I used to be a little cynical about this when I was younger. My mother in her brainwashing would always tell me, yeah, friends are good. Friends are great, but there's nothing like family. Family is the most important thing in life. And I always fought her on that. And I didn't quite 
get it and understand it until I was older and I had children. So mom was right as moms often are. And also, you know, Another thing that's very Latino, a very Cuban of me is in my house with my kids, we only speak Spanish. That's their first language. Oh, good for you. That's so great. That's really important for me, not oh. just as a cultural thing, but also I mean, you're a doctor, you know, studies time and time again have shown that young children or children who speak more than one language, they actually literally have bigger brains. Yep. Yep. And they do better in school because of that. And look, and A, that's a very important language in this country now, number one. Number two, to be bicultural, bilingual, it, I mean, that's the problem. We get insular, we get provincial. And if you already have two perspectives going, you, you, you open to others, seems to me. And my kids also speak a third language, which is music. You know, my son plays piano and ukulele and his sister plays piano. And I wish I could have played an instrument growing up. I, I regret that. And I, I sort of, every once in a while, I'll remind my mother that they would not, I wanted to take piano and they said no, because that's too good. That's, that's not for boys. That's what they said. Oh no. Oh no. Well, I grew up in the 80s and 90s in a Latino community, very a religious ma- macho, community. religious. Yep. Yeah. So I wasn't allowed to take piano. And now I'm a big gay that can't play piano. <laughs> <laughs> Look what they did. You got it, Gary? You got that quote? No, can't find it. I can't find it, no. I, it, be, it was a retweet of a Ryan Holiday tweet. I can tell you that. Yeah. Uh, but in probably Marcus. Anyway, whatever. So it was essentially saying that, you know, you're you're hum, you're hobbling people by like leading them to believe that luck luck is more important than hard work. Yeah. But uh God, who said that? It was really it was a great quote. But uh I want to go back to the oh, you got it now? I, I will in a moment. Okay. Just, just hold on. I want to go back to the young ladies. Uh Brittany, what uh what's your predictions there? she'll be pregnant before the year is over. Wow. She'll be pregnant before she even gets married. Um, you know, she's engaged to her fiance. Do you know anything about this guy? Is he a good guy? Do we know? I definitely think he's a good guy. You know, good. he's been with her longer than even her ex-husband, Kevin oh, wow. Federline. Oh, good. They've okay. been together, I believe, five years. Oh, wow. Um, you know, I think if it was, you know, she's she had also been engaged, not uh, maybe like a decade ago to that former agent, Jason Trowick. This relationship lasted longer than that. Listen, do I think there's an aspect of him that might be in it for ulterior motives? Of course. Is he probably using her? Yes. But I view it this way. Better for Brittany to have somebody to give her comfort, to hold her, to to make love to her than for her to be by herself, especially because she is so isolated. She's publicly said that she feels betrayed by her mother, her father, her sister, her brother. She has nobody except her children and even her children. She doesn't get to spend that much time with them because Kevin Federline has 70% custody, even though now that's, oh God, I don't want to speculate, but that is a little odd to me because her kids are 15 and 16. And I would imagine, unless the judge says it's not safe, but I would imagine at 15 or 16, if you say, well, I want to spend 50% of my time with mom and 50% of my time with dad, that a judge would say, okay. Not, not only would a judge say, okay, you would imagine that they would just start doing that. 
You know what I mean? If both, if both parents are kind of okay with it, they kind of start doing that. So we don't know that they're not. Maybe they are. You know, maybe there's more time maybe. than we know. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. But but I do. I did have a glimmer when I was watching them together, and I thought, you know, she has serious mental illness, and that's okay. A lot of people have that. And sometimes the spouse can really help keep them kind of on track and glued together and, you know, aware of when their things are going off off the off the rail a bit. And if he has any knowledge or insight at all or at least educates himself and is, is willing to do that, serve that function, it could be really good for her. Yeah. Could be really well, good. and especially him who – one of his main jobs for the last many years is working as a personal trainer. Mm. So being healthy is very important to him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think a healthy influence is critical for Brittany in her life. And now Lindsay, and by the way, I, what I kept saying too, was like, go, I, you can walk two blocks over here and I can show you people that need conservatorships a lot more than, than to Britney Spears and they don't get it. And Brittany gets it. Come on. Especially after it's all these years. Of money. Whatever it was, it was too long, too long. Yeah. Uh, it's It was good at the beginning, then too too protracted. Uh, Lindsay, um, glad to see her. I'm yeah. really an actress. I'm glad to see her acting again. This is a good thing. Yeah. You know, the one of the best things that, and I'm surprised she did it, but she had the courage to straight up leave. And the, for the last the, the country. five. I yeah. Know. Yeah, I know. I, last, I went to her, I went to her beach club in, in Mykonos. It's spe- mm-hmm. yeah. it's spectacular. It's not what yeah. you think. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she has that as a side hustle. Uh, but for the last, I don't know, six, seven years, Lindsay Lohan has been living in Dubai. She's got a secret, like, undercover lover there. And they're very strict with the law in Dubai. Mm-hmm. So I don't even think that being a paparazzi is a legal profession. You're not allowed to be a paparazzo in Dubai so she can live a nice, normal-ish life. And now she's returning to acting, which is really her first love. Yeah. Um, she she got cast in a Netflix Christmas movie that comes out next year. And I'm so true. And you know what? She and I still talk. Good. Even though, you know, we were like cousins in the past that fought. But when you grow up, you can make peace with your cousin as adult as adult exactly no i i am delighted to see her she's one of those she she loves she like i'm a i'm a texter with dm with with, um, instant message she only uses whatsapp and like i rarely (laughs) use whatsapp so you miss it I mean, I have to get on there every once in a while just to say hi, but it's, it's, it's really nice to see that she's healthy and happy. Yeah, I was afraid that something horrible was going to happen to her because she was so out of control, so reckless. I, I just had this, For so long. For so long. I had an image of her losing like a limb or something, like something drastic happening. And, you know, I knew her dad. I still know her dad very well. And that was, you know, something I kept telling him, like, I'm, I'm really worried for, for Lindsay. And then last time I talked to him, he was telling me that she was doing really well in Dubai. She loved it there. And well, he's been having a lot of drama. It's an oy now, we say. Now his, <laughs> his, uh, his baby mama, I guess. I don't know if they're, they ever got married or not, but. Oy vey. Drama. drama. Yeah. We, humans need a simple life. That's one of the truths. That's what I talk about in therapy. You know, if I envision my dream world in the future, it's boring. It's drama free. <laughs> right. That's it. That's what that's what humans need. And then Jessica, did she get sober? Is that what I read? Or what, what, yeah. what's her name? Yeah, good for her. Not only did she get sober, she's been sober for a few years now, huh. but two great developments for Jessica Simpson. 
One, she managed to get full control of her brand, her successful fashion business, which most of these people, like even Kim Kardashian doesn't have full control of her brand. So that's one. And then two, it made me so happy. She released a song last week independently and a cover, not even an original song. Hmm. And I was like, you know what? She did that just because she wanted to, Hmm. because it made her happy and with no expectations just to share her voice and, and, and tap into that side of her that she hadn't really been using much over the last decade. Good for her. And then finally Paris, she's been talking about now the sexual abuse history, which is, was not surprising to me. It seems. Well, I don't know seem- if she ever claimed that she was sexually abused. It was more of a physical abuse physical at the abuse. boarding school in Utah that other you know people went to and had similar experiences. Mm-hmm. But she went to Washington D.C. to advocate for reform to that system, and she just got married. And her as well. I would. I. I I, I don't even know who will get pregnant first, Paris or Brittany, <laughs> and, but they and, both will. And think about how that's going to change. You know, you know how children change everything. It, it will change them yet on another level, which is amazing. Well, that gives me, you know, just the, all that progress from people that were struggling uh, is nice to see. It gives me a little faith that maybe the morass we're in as a country can kind of turn around also you know what i mean i well it took you know we spent four years in hell so it's gonna take a while to heal from that yeah yeah well and then the co is that in the COVID? yeah it, it, it was trump trump derangement and COVID. those are the things that people are I, suffering i from. swear last night i had a moment of like ptsd when i started thinking of last year and how traumatic yeah, that it, was it was it was you it, know because like an addict, when you fall off the wagon, when, when life gives you something traumatic, you really fall off the wagon. So I gained in three months, 32 pounds. Oh boy. Oh boy. That took a lot of effort. And I know I, I rarely drink in my normal life. I'll have alcohol maybe once every three months, every, every four months, like the occasional drink. I was drinking every single day, Uh-oh. just like out of just, it was just such a, you know, cause I had, my children are young and we were homeschooling and not leaving the house. And I, I was also, you know, my mother lives with me. So I was also so afraid of her getting oh, sick. Oh my God. It's awful. So it was a mess last year, but things are so much better. We're all vaccinated. And, uh, I, I am, uh, even thinking, I, I, I'm I'm truly happy in my life right now if I'm not content. But that's a good thing because I'm working towards contentment. I accept everything in my life, but I want to be even happier. So I'm constantly being present and analyzing like what's adding to my happiness, what's taking away from it, what changes can I make? I, I'm... I'm wondering if the word content is the right word for you to aim for because, you know, workaholics and and addicts and things, contentment is sort of not gratifying for particular workaholics. I, I think I think words I think the words more like thriving and fulfilled or nourished. Those kinds of words tend to have more. Meaning. I want to I want to have I want to try to have balance more. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
fulfillment. Which is why I said something so stupid to my mom. I was like, you know what, mom? I'm making it a goal and a priority. And so far, ever since I verbalized, it's so cheesy, you know, when it, writing things down or saying it out loud, yeah. that shit works. It like, makes really a difference. Put, it makes yeah, a difference. So, so I told my mom, I am going to be social with adults and do things that are not child related two and a half times a month. I don't need more. Just 2.5 times on average to go and meet up with friends for dinner or go to a concert or do whatever. And people who don't have kids might go, what? Twice a month? No, no, no. You're, when you have kids, you are kid-centric all the time. And to put the time aside to be an adult is is hard. It's not yeah. easy. And so did you say you're in therapy? Did I hear you say that? Yes. And how's that going? What kind of work are you doing? How's that experience? I, I was in therapy for 11 years. To, to Yeah. You know, it's, you know Every experience is different. Every therapist is different. I went into therapy only at the be- at the end of last year. First time? Was, First time? No, I had gone before, but yeah. this is I made the commitment to do this entire year. Yeah. Every single week. And know, then I said, do you know what kind next, of therapy it is? I don't know, but I'll I'll explain it to okay. you. Okay, go ahead. You know, um my therapist is this wonderful old gay man who's like a grandfather figure, very wise, has done everything in his life, like even didn't even begin working as a therapist until his 40s. He had a professional career before that. I went into therapy thinking, oh, we're going to like do work. It's going to be work mm. and I have to do homework and all mm. this stuff. Mm. And I think that happens organically, but what he is functioning for as me and what he wants to be for me is somebody who is like a cheerleader for me mm-hmm. and somebody who maybe helps me or pushes me to see things that might be scary. Like actually you're, you know, you, you probably know this two weeks ago, I learned a new term that is commonly used in therapy that I was not aware of. Okay. It's called foreclosure. Mm which is a a real estate term, but in therapy, he explains it's killing an idea before you ever really try to even make it happen. Right. It's like thinking it all the way through. Exactly. Or, or or even if you think it through, you've just convinced yourself that you'll not be able to do it. Right. Right. It's finishing with it in the, in the therapeutic setting. So, so, so you're describing supportive psychotherapy and, and really good supportive psychotherapy includes, and you tell me if this resonates for you. Um, cause, cause the supportive psychotherapy is like, like being a boxer and having somebody in your side of the ring. You got to have yes. somebody in there with you be, and, it, and it's, which also, is important oh because God. I could feel so alone. Like even my mom, you know, she, she's so much older, but of a different generation, different world. And she doesn't understand. I feel like she doesn't understand a lot of things and, you don't want to be a burden to your friends. Like you don't want to just call your friends when you need to talk. And, <laughs> you know, it's important to have somebody like that, I think. And so you're starting to describe another feature that I was kind of building towards, which is, yes, that supportive person, your partner, but in your corner, rather, to send you back into the ring. 
but done really well, you develop a level of connection to that person that's very attuned and very deep and you uh, where you open emotionally with your feelings and they can regulate the feelings with you. And then you go back out into the world and then you come back for refueling. It's actually called – it's got a name. It's called rapprochement. It's interesting that your mom came to mind as soon as we started taking about, talking about this because oftentimes – I'm sure I was as guilty as a parent. You'll be guilty of it. We don't do that practicing phase of rapprochement very well. We need more of that in therapy, which is where we connect, attune, regulate, open our feelings, our vulnerability, and then go back – now changed hopefully because we're connected in a new way to somebody – back into the world – and then come back to that person for refueling. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I definitely get that from my therapist as well. Like I almost didn't want to verbalize it because it sounds cheesy or like weird. Well, it sounds like it sounds like you're being reparented or, you know, that kind of thing. But I love my therapist. Good. That's a great sign. Yeah. Well, (laughs) and, and you should know that done really well therapy that, that love for the therapist can have all kinds of manifestations and it becomes important for you to work through all that. You've got to have to kind of talk about it, bring it into the room, explore those feelings. And then you're able to own those sorts of rich feelings more thoroughly. They're not so scary or overwhelming or whatever they are because the therapist will just hold the line with you there. The therapist will not let you be overwhelmed by the feelings. They will not you know, participate in the feelings, you know, because p- patients often eroticize this, right? Well, I'm not like, I'm not saying you are, I'm not saying therapist. you are. I'm just telling you for people that are listening that they often will eroticize it. And it's why I bring this up because I have to sh- deal with this shit so much. It's why when doctors and therapists and what violate those boundaries and say, start to date that person or gratify the sexual, it's, it's destructive. It's completely destroys everything. It's, it's worse than sexual abuse. It's, it just destroys all the work. And it's the opposite of what the person needs in that moment, which is hold the boundary, be totally present for that person and let him or her struggle with all those crazy feelings, whatever they might be, no matter how intense they get. Crazy, right? We're so funny as as humans, aren't we? Well, and also, I don't even know why, because it's not directly related, but well, sort of this former influencer popped into my mind who uh, tragically died by suicide, who ended up having a relationship with the nurse. Her name was Stevie Ryan. Mm. And um, I, she was dating either the nurse that was prescribing her prescription medication. Like, Worst ever. Like, Horrible. Yeah. That person's dangerous. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. Horrible. So, problem. yeah. It's, it's why, you know, when a teacher violates the boundaries, when a nurse violates the boundaries, when a boss violates the boundaries, it, it's the, the person that is sort of up for that has vulnerabilities that need to be protected. This is the very person that you don't want acted out upon with these authority figures. It's like, oh, it's just so destructive. Well, I slept on bowl and branch sheets last night, and I'm going to tell you something. If somebody gifted me those, they would be my new best friend. Check it out for yourself. If you haven't, see how bowl and branch sheets are so special, soft, great colors. They're designed by a husband and wife team who founded Bowl and Branch to create a new standard for bedding, doing things the right way, not the easy way, and at affordable price. They hold themselves to a high standard, and it's not just their sheets that are made the right way. They have pillows, bath towels, robes, all at the highest level of quality. Their signature hem sheets are their best all-time seller. 
Buttery soft, lightweight, made it with 100% organic cotton weave that feels incredible. Try it for yourself. It sells itself. Bowl and Branch are just the best. Treat yourself and your loved ones to the new standard in bedding from Bowl and Branch. Their gifts come wrapped and ready in their special holiday packing. That's right. Uh, you can order by December 19th for guaranteed delivery by Christmas. Best deals of the year are going on now. That's between December 16th and December 23rd. Use that promo code DREW at bowlandbranch.com. That's B-O-L-L and branch.com. Promo code DREW. Exclusions may apply. USANA Health Sciences created USANA Active Nutrition. That's right. They a new lineup, self-acceptance and promoting a positive health journey with products for weight management and digestive health, energy, hydration. USANA sent me a box of Active Nutrition products, and you know I love the specifically, uh, I like that peanut butter snack bar. I love the electrolyte replacement drink. They have a detox tea as well. Backed by thorough research, cutting-edge science, not only are they a company that you can trust, they are trusted by thousands of Olympic and professional athletes around the world. To get these products, you can visit USANA, U-S-A-N-A, USANA.com, and you can see each active nutrition product for yourself. Sign up as a preferred customer at checkout to save 10% on your active nutrition order. Some product restrictions may apply. Support your life in motion with USANA Active Nutrition, U-S-A-N-A, USANA. All right, well, I'm, I'm having an emotional reaction. I'm feeling emotional talking to you, my friend. Well, that's good. I it think is it's, good. I love feeling things. Like I was watching an Adele interview yesterday and somebody asked her, when was the last time you cried? As if she doesn't cry that often. She's like, oh, I cry all the time. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, that's me too. I cry all the time. Like I literally cry every day. Has, has not been, every day. Have you always been like, that way? Or is that since you've been in therapy and gotten in touch with everything? I think always, always. like, I'm just like, a, I'm an, a big empath, like not even just for myself, but yeah. like, you know, like I was watching this video earlier today of this former NFL star beating the mother of his child, like yeah. just awful. And, you know, I just, I got really emotional with that or like, God, Oh, last year during those never ending weeks where the entire country was in a social upheaval, you know, that was really hard on me too. Yeah, me too. I, I, I was just upset, upset, upset. I'm still upset. Yeah. Uh, so I, we've talked about, you know, your, your story since Perez Hilton was invented. Tell us a little bit about where you grew up and how you grew up, that kind of thing. I, I think I've heard it before, up- but I've not heard you talk about it in a long time, but go ahead. I grew up in Miami, the son of two Cuban immigrants, and there's a reason I don't live in Miami anymore. (laughs) It wasn't for me. I hope that things are different now for the younger generation. And it's not even just because I was gay and didn't feel accepted. If I was like super macho and heterosexual, but if you know, when I was growing up there in the 80s and 90s, if I would have told my family that I wanted to be a sculptor, a professional sculptor, they would have not accepted that or encouraged it whatsoever. You know, I went, I was 
supposed to do what everybody else did. I went to this all boy Jesuit school that was a breeding ground for homogeneousness, Uh, right? uh, If you didn't become a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, or a politician, you were a failure. You had to be a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, or a politician. Maybe you could open up a car dealership and make money and that'd be, that'd be acceptable as well. But if you wanted to be a sculptor, a painter, if you wanted to do something different out Outside of the norm that was not celebrated or encouraged. In fact, you were try- you, you, they were disappointed in you. And yeah. I, I just, you know, I, I, that's why I went to New York city for college. I went to NYU because it was the polar opposite of Miami. You know, I, I, I'm a little confused about my, I mean, I get the Jesuit school being a certain kind of environment, but Miami is a rich. Uh, it has changed. You know, I think, Art become, and gay and a lot of stuff art, going on there, right? Art Basel is a wonderful thing. and But when I was growing up there, it was just Cubans. Oh, my goodness. Only Cuban people. Huh. Then over the years, like there was a big wave of an exodus from Venezuela. A lot of Venezuelans ended up in Miami because the situation in Venezuela is awful. And other Latinos from all parts of the world moved to Miami as well. And um you know, it's it's evolved, and there's an arts center now. But at least with the gay issue, it's you know, we are privileged to live in Los Angeles. But in marginalized communities, whether they be you know immigrant children, whether you know Latinos or Asian or Indian American or uh, re- religious communities like Mormon, the Mormon community, it's still really hard to be gay in 2021. In in is, is it marginalized communities or immigrant communities or these? Well, I would that- say or, or just minority communities like the Mormons. You know, that's oh, yeah. a minority community. They're not the predominant faith, but there's so many Mormons that struggle with their sexuality because they're it's programmed in them that being gay is bad. Do you see the Book of Mormon? I did. It was super wild and fun. I love shows. I'm just, a show queen. Just turn it off. Isn't that wasn't that their song? The song. Oh, there you <laughs> go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about it. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, my friend, it's great to talk to you. I I always look forward to speaking with you. I feel like I, I I don't know. I'm having a weird emotional reaction talking to you today. I don't know if it's because you're more open from therapy or you've we've grown you, up together. I was that was the word that came to my mind. Or it's because you grew up and you're you're this amazing guy now and father and saying all these wonderful things that I hope will be an inspiration for other people. And and I I hope people take a look at themselves if you take an aim at people who, whether it's Perez or Brittany or Lindsay or, you know, people that grow and become richer for their experience should be celebrated, not vilified for whatever, when they were in their shit, they were doing. I, I don't know. It's weird to me as somebody who works with people that do horrible stuff when they're in their addiction, let's just call it what it is, uh, and un, are, are un, unmitigatedly extraordinary people when they get sober, when they get well. And what is it? Uh, judge not, yes, lest ye be judged, everybody. Uh, I, I think a little more of that might be uh, in order these days. Well, so where you're where now? Where are you living? I'm in Los Angeles. But, I mean, near you look. It looks like very Los Feliz-y Where I'm looking at here, is it? Uh, that no, area? no. I'm by West Hollywood. West Hollywood. Okay. <laughs> Another lovely part of town. Well, listen. Thanks for spending time with us. Uh, go get the the CBD. Uh, you want to talk specifically about what you've got there? I'm a CBD yeah. fan. 
It's called MyTrue10.com. Ours, our gummies are different than most other ones. They're water soluble. It's 10 milligrams of CBD. You know, the, the, the thing I've, I've learned a lot about CBD and not all CBD is created equal. That is for it's sure. Not, it's not regulated. Yep. You know, it's like the wild, wild west. Yep. Some is great. And then some is really awful. And we have a satisfaction guarantee. So you have nothing to lose to try ours. If you don't like it, then you can get your money back. So go to mytrue10.com to find out more. I've had people use it for mild pain. It works. I've had people use it for sleep. Seems to work. So it, 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 it's, it's, it's kind of protean. It's different people, different things. But it's, exactly. But there's no downside that I can see. I guess my no. wife had a little kind of funny panicky feeling the morning after using it one time. But so what? That helped her sleep. Uh, so check it out. See, I'm a big CBD fan. I think I think they're very useful and they're very safe. MyTrue10.com, also PerezHilton.com, of course, at the Perez Hilton everywhere. And uh, hopefully i talk to you soon. You too. Bye yes, friend. I'd love to. Anytime. Okay. All right, man. Take care of yourself. Thank you. See you everyone next time. For calling times and topics, follow the show on Twitter at Dr. Drew Podcast. That's D-R-D-R-E-W Podcast. The music from today's episode can be found on the swinging sounds of the Dr. Drew Podcast, now available on iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to rate the show. The Dr. Drew Podcast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana and Gary Smith. For more information, go to drdrew.com. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew Podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes. Only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com. Mm-hmm.